Welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast. It's Dane here with Wags. Wags, we're doing a year in review a little sooner than I had hoped. I, I, I was hoping we'd be talking Super Bowl this week, but uh, nonetheless, uh, here we are. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, now is as good a time as any to just start talking more about Green Bay Packer football because the offseason uh, is approached. And, you know, it's always something going on in Green Bay. Yeah, you said it. This is going to be a very therapy-based uh, pod, <laughs> no doubt about that. Uh, I think you and I and all of Packer Nation and all of you folks listening out there have probably gone through all five stages of grief, or maybe you're still on, you know, uh, anger or denial at this point. So uh, if that's the case, hopefully this episode you can relate to us a little bit, and uh, it'll be uh, better to listen and talk and think about Packers. Uh, certainly, we would rather them be playing in the Super Bowl this weekend, but I'd rather think and talk and express frustration and express joy over the Packers uh, than uh, even think one bit about that Super Bowl game. Dane, I think you and I are both in agreement. Uh, we will not be watching the Super Bowl. Uh, I am not going to watch one minute of it. I haven't listened to anything about it. So this is all about the Packers. Yeah, I, I'm i with you. I haven't been to any football sites or anything other than our Green Bay Packers sites. <laughs> so <laughs> we're, they can say what they will about us, Wags, but we're, we're, we're true to our team here, I think. And, you know, looking back at it, I, I do think that we should at least touch a little bit on what happened in that NFC Championship game? And I'm not going to get too down on the club here, but uh, you know, there we played about as bad as we could have played, and we still hung around. Um, it was just disappointing to me, and I think you, and probably everybody out there, that we chose to have one of our clunker games at one of the most important times in the season. Yeah, I mean, we're recording this a week and a half after the game, so I think everything that's can be said um, and has been broken down and what went wrong has been, has been, you know, touched on ad nauseum online, on radio, on social media. Uh, but this is our chance uh, to kind of just kind of express a few things. So uh, you said it though, Dane, this was a game that unfortunately, when you look at the totality of it, it was just one of their poorer games of the season, and yet they still had an opportunity in the fourth quarter to win. So uh, although uh, it, we chatted about this uh, amongst some of our, uh, you know, Packer group, we chat, uh, some of our, our close Packer buddies, there's no moral victories here. No. Uh, I, I I do want to say there's no moral victories, but I at the same time, I'm going to give this team a ton of credit for not folding. Uh, and really fighting back, and as as gut wrenching as that was at the end, we had an opportunity. And at halftime and early in the third quarter, it didn't look like that was going to be the case. So, although it didn't turn out the way we wanted to, and I'm not going to say that it was a positive that we had an opportunity, I do want to give the team credit for laying it all out on the line. They didn't have their best performance uh, by any means. But they fought and clawed and really 
did everything they could uh, to give themselves a chance to get into that uh, Super Bowl game. So for that, I do want to give them credit. Yeah, I mean, I would have felt absolutely blown out of the water uh, like we did in San Francisco. Uh, this was definitely a different kind of cutted, um, but but it, it was a different feeling, and it, it did feel a little bit like um, you know the, the old adage of like the only team that can beat us is ourselves. It did feel like that a little bit. Um, the team never really was clicking on both sides of the ball at the same time. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, the offense needed to keep up early, uh, cause the defense led, led a Tampa Bay offense just kind of march down the field. Later in the second half, the defense stepped up, got a ton of turnovers. The Packers offense couldn't take advantage of those opportunities. And when you have those kinds of chances in the fourth quarter to add your home field to, to go and, you know, win a football game, for lack of a better term. You've got to seize those those opportunities, and, and the offense wasn't able to do that in the second half. It, it was a largely a full-team effort both to, um, you know, put ourselves in position to win the game and also to ultimately lose the game. So I, I'm not putting the spotlight on either side. I think the first half I was livid with the defense, uh, particularly the last play of the second quarter. Um, I thought that that was – I've said it, and I'm going to say it uh, on on air here. I think that was kind of coaching malpractice to allow that touchdown right before half to, to even be in that position. Um, I was – you know, I, I, I will never forget that. Um, but, you know, there was some good, there was some bad. It's just ultimately we came up short in that game. Yeah, uh, really quickly, and I think kind of touching on the five stages of grief here in a moment, but before we do that, uh, do you feel that end-of-half play is – probably the biggest reason why coach Patton is not back in green Bay or yeah. was it a totality thing? Because um, I, you know, was not the biggest fan of Patton uh, in his slight defense. This defense did get better over the course of the year and surprisingly actually finished. I know there's lots of different ways to, to mark this, but finish as a top 10 defense this mm-hmm. season. So I, I know the defense gets a lot of the scapegoating uh, in Green Bay because that's how it's been for the last 10 years. But I just want to go on the record as well and say that this defense was good enough to win the Super Bowl. I said it uh, after that game. Uh, you know, there was some breakdowns, certainly, that shouldn't have happened. But I do not think the defense is 100% to blame for this team not getting to the Super Bowl. So um, I know there's some finger pointing online. We're talking about the anger and the grief here. Uh, but just really quickly, do you think that play uh, was the biggest uh, tipping point to Patton not coming back? Or do you think it's just his total, um, you know, his total body of work? As, well, it's- as, as yeah, it's a good question, and it's funny you say that. Mark Towser, the the Packer, you know, re- retired great right tackle for the Packers, he made that point um, more largely of, you know, just didn't the defense get better? He's like, you know, I'm just putting it out there. And he wasn't saying good or bad on, on the on the removal of Patton. Uh, it's just he put it out there as well. And, you know, I think it's a little bit twofold. I, I do think that that end of half play was pretty tough. Uh, I would agree. I think the defense was good enough to win a Super Bowl. Um, but I also think that it, the, the tone was set early in this game that the Packers' offense needed to play catch-up. And it felt like we were playing catch-up the entire game. And um, while we did have our, have our chances, 
Um, you know, looking back uh, two years ago to the 49er game, we allowed 37 points. Frankly, I think the 49ers could have put up double that, it seemed like, uh, with how they're running the ball. Um, and then they gave up 31 points in this NFC Championship game. And I think it is, uh, even with the great Aaron Rodgers and incredible offense that we had this year, I do think it's asking a lot for an offense to, at minimum, score 32 points. Um, I, I don't love that. Uh, scenario. So I think in big moments against very good teams, this defense has seemed to implode a little bit. Um, so I, I do think it might be a little bit of that as well. Um, and, and I will say, Wags, that, you know, I think one of the huge criticisms of Mike McCarthy was how long he stuck with Don Capers. Matt LaFleur, after two seasons, is moving on from his defensive coordinator. Only time will tell if that's right or wrong, but it certainly is different from how McCarthy handled the operation in Green Bay. So um, I do think it's a breath of fresh air that um, Matt LaFleur, I think, is is showing that, listen, this isn't enough. We need to get better, and we need to correct some things. So, again, um, only time will tell. So, I, you know, it's hard to say because the defense did get better. Um, but I do admire LaFleur for, um, you know, making a hard decision here and moving on. And not to get lost in this is the fact that, Patton technically wasn't LeFleur's defensive coordinator. He was a holdover. And for, for a rookie head coach, I think that was the right move at that time. I, I, I think that's a very defensible that they said, listen, let's make sure we've got an established defensive coordinator here uh, in, in your taking over for the first time as a head coach. We also technically, I, although I understand that this looks like a firing, and by all accounts, it's it's probably more slated to the Packers and LaFleur saying, you know, let's move on or, or part ways. Patton had some input in this too. He may have just as well, they may have both just agreed, look, you know, professional, we're very, this is a very professional relationship, but this wasn't, you know, you weren't my guy and vice versa. It's time to, you know, move on as well. So I, I think it's fair to say that there could have been more to that. I, I do certainly understand that it's always going to look like a patent was fired. And by all accounts, that's, that's probably mostly how that decision was made. But he was on an expiring contract. So he may, it, it may have been a little bit mutual as well. So let's not discount that possibility. Um, either way, uh, it is interesting to look at. Uh, how that decision is made. We ended up, uh, you know, moving on from two coordinators in a season. We went 13 and three, were the number one seed and played in the NFC championship game. Um, so you're absolutely right. LaFleur is building his own program and he's going to have his fingerprints on this, no doubt on everything as we move forward. So it's, it's clearly his team as far as that coaching staff is concerned as well. So, um, going back to the fans. We've seen on social media, there's been, I think a lot of people are still in that anger phase. Uh, a lot of finger pointing, the finger pointing, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Some people are, seem to be irate at the defense and that they're the reason we didn't, uh, win the game. Some folks are saying, hold on, the offense have their opportunities and they're just as much to blame. There seems to be a lot of finger pointing and blame going around. Dane, what can you say to those folks? And considering you have those feelings too, as a man, 
to try to help heal and move forward uh, and uh, just overall what are your what are your thoughts on some of uh, some of that finger pointing and, and the anger and the blame that's going around <laughs> i think uh um you know the the hard the hard truth is it was a team effort <laughs> um you know i think that the defense had some significant letdowns in the first half uh you can't you know aaron jones when your best players can't put the ball on the ground early in the second half you know and then you're trying to dig out it does severely limit how you're looking at the the field for the rest of the game whether coaches admit it or players admit it or not if you're down and you're in offense and you're going shoot i don't even know if this defense can be able to stop people today that is going to change how you're approaching it so um you know and then you know there's also the should we kick the field goal should we've gone for it on on fourth down there in the fourth quarter so maybe there's some on the coaching staff as well i i think that unfortunately it's just one of those days where it wasn't our day um that's not solace you know i don't think that folks can take solace in that i don't think that that's enough because I thought that this was one of the most important games the player the team has played in a number of years from a, a lot of different angles. Um but I, I do think that the the tough truth is there's gonna be thirty one really disappointed fan bases and teams at the end of the year and there's gonna be one Super Bowl champion and that's it. So um from that front we lost to the best in Tom Brady and I know that that's hard to hear because Tom Brady is Really hard to like sometimes, <laughs> um, but, you know, he's going to his 10th Super Bowl. It's not like it, it's his first rodeo, and he didn't play the best game, but, you know, that's just how it shakes out sometimes. So, Wags, I don't have a great answer, and I'm not looking to place blame on any one individual um, or even one side of the ball because I saw some really good and some really bad out of both of them, and that's where I think going into this offseason we need, and I say the collective we as an organization, need to find ways to improve and and um, I'm not going to, again, I don't want to point fingers, but there's one guy in particular that maybe is a free agent, might not be coming back, who I thought didn't have his best game in the NFC Championship game. And, um, you know, this is an opportunity for the team to improve. Now, um, what do you think, Wags? Because I know uh, having a little bit of hindsight now, um, you know, you mentioned you thought that the defense played good enough to you know, we could have won a Super Bowl with them. Um, am I way off base there, or what, what's kind of your take on this? No, I think you're right on. It's it's both sides. There, it's it's a team effort, and you can't you can't just replay. There's no mulligans, right? Right. If you go back though, and so I think there's merits both ways, and that's that's why it's it's sort of a straw man in a way because people are going to dig in and say, "I nope, I'm right. The the offense should have done better. No, is the defense's fault." At the end of the half, you're down, sure, but it's 14-10. We've got the ball in the last two minutes, and we've seen that story how many times. We know we're getting the ball to start the second half. We're thinking two two for one. Here's a chance to get seven to 10 to 14 points, take the lead um, in, in the third quarter or even before the half, um, and then add to that. In, in yeah, the step on the next, quarter. right? Yeah. Uh, so if at you know, typically in that situation, Dane, worst case scenario with this Packers team, we don't score in either of those possessions and we're still down 14 to 10 in the third quarter. Instead, mm-hmm. it got compounded. Um, and it went from worst case scenario to like the worst case scenario times two that never happened to this Packers offense uh, under Aaron Rodgers, which is 
they went from a two-for-one opportunity to worst case, you're still down 14-10 after that opening possession of the third quarter, uh, to all of a sudden we're down 28-10 to because we gave them the ball. So yeah. while the defense deserves some blame, the offense did not execute in that opportunity either. So I think both sides that are throwing that, that are in this rock fight have some some merit to their argument yeah. uh, because if the offense executes and does the job there, that could have been a 24 to 14 lead early in the third quarter instead of being down 28 to 10. Um, so uh, that being said, that's not the way that the game is always going to work out. It's not an automatic that we're going to score in those situations either. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and sure, the coaching could have been better as well. Uh, no doubt about that. So unfortunately, it just worked out the way it did, and and is is upsetting as it was. I know uh, how how gut wrenching this was for all of the players on this team too. I think what hurts the most, Dane, truly, is I still think we were the best team at the end of the year. Um, yeah. I, and that might sound like sour grapes because we didn't win that game, but I absolutely actually think we were the best team this year, and we. Under, if you replay this uh, NFC Champions game and then eventually the Super Bowl, and you just simulate that ten times a piece, I think the Packers win both the NFC Championship game and Super Bowl more than any of those other Final Four teams. Uh, and I can't prove that I'm right, but I just strongly feel that it's this isn't a situation where this team wasn't good enough, and we're going to make changes to the team, and we're going to try to get better. But this team, as constructed, uh, I really strongly feel was good enough and was the best team. Uh, and 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 unfortunately, we we just didn't um, take advantage of the opportunity, and that's what hurts the most. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's why there's so much anger out there still right now. Is I think that uh, a season prior to this. We lost to the Niners, and I think that the anger or frustration came from, well, we weren't all that good, right? Like, it was a little bit of, um, oh, well, we didn't deserve it. As long as, you know, the 49ers are, are around, like, we don't really have a shot, blah, 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 and I heard that. Going into this year and going into this Super Bowl, it was very much like this is our opportunity to win this thing. And the fact that it didn't happen, I think that's where it hurts is you don't get a lot of second chances in this league. And the fact that we've, we've lost back-to-back NFC Championship games, I think stings just a little bit more knowing this year we feel like we were probably the best team. Yep, and at home. So anyway, uh, that's 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 what's been – the hardest thing I think to reckon with. Uh, so, so folks, as you're out there, if you're still in the anger phase, uh, you know you're not wrong. I'm just going to tell you, you're right. No matter what side of the argument you're on, <laughs> you're right. So I don't know if that helps at all, um, but maybe maybe you'll uh, move on <laughs> from, <laughs> from anger to acceptance, and, and we'll kind of we'll kind of work through this together. So we're we're it's tough. It hurts. It still hurts. And, and I get it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but no matter what, let's support, let's support our guys. Um, you know, we had some underperforming players and there's guys that aren't going to be part of this team next year. No doubt about that. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, there's no, po- there's no reason to burn bridges here. Um, you know, it's disappointing that we didn't get uh, our A plus effort from, from the, uh, you know, everyone involved. 
but um, it is what it is now. We can't do anything about it. So here we are. Uh, it's time to move forward. So, Dean, I think unless you have any other thoughts about the NFC Championship game specifically, um, I'd be curious just if you have any thoughts overall on kind of what's been going down in the post-game and discussion since then. Uh, circulating yeah. Aaron Rodgers. This is a whole nother topic, but, um, you know, we don't center all of our talk on this podcast on Aaron Rodgers. We, as great as Aaron Rodgers is, that tends to be the fallback discussion for talk radio. Um, so I think you folks have that outlet out there. There's plenty of that. And we're, we do talk Aaron, certainly. But this topic, I think, is definitely one we should touch on. So, Dane, what what are some of your thoughts as you've been processing uh, what what that discussion has been? You know, I think that Aaron was pretty frustrated, understandably, after the game. Um, I think that the Packers, by drafting Jordan Love, welcomed this conversation every season going forward, as long as Aaron Rodgers uh, decides to play football. So um not surprised at all that this was the, the topic. Um, I think that win or lose last week, win or lose the Super Bowl, the next topic was going to be is Aaron Rodgers done playing football in Green Bay. That being said, he's not done playing in Green Bay as far as I'm concerned. I think he's going to be around, and I actually think he might be around for a few more seasons here. If anything, I think Aaron Rodgers um, earned quite a bit of leverage after this season to retire the way he wants to retire. And and honestly, Wags, and I, I'm not looking at through rose-colored glasses, I think that Aaron Rodgers truly wants to end his career where he started in Green Bay. I think that he's comfortable here. I think he loves the fan base, and I don't think that's an act. I think that, you know, uh, he also understands legacy, and um, it never looks quite right when you see your heroes wearing a different team's jerseys late late in the season. I mean, in between uh, the, the final game and, and now, there the, it, there's been reports that the Rams reached out to the Packers, and which would be a logical team to reach out due to Coach LaFleur's relationship. Um, with with the Rams organization and the Packers said absolutely not. Um, Murphy, uh, president of operations here for the Packers, uh, said that you know we'd be idiots. Uh, we're not idiots. He's not going anywhere. Matt Lafleur said he's the leader. There's clearly some some um, coaching going on from the organization saying he's the leader. He's going to lead us. We hear a lot of that coming from the organization publicly. Um, so I, what I do expect though is I expect an adjustment of the contract. Um, and I think that Aaron Rodgers gained that leverage, and and frankly, rightfully so, in my eyes, to um, you know maybe get some more guaranteed money up front. Uh, it might actually end up benefiting the Packers with the cap situation that we might be in um, this, this off season, where Rodgers might make more money up front, might actually be able to um, get maybe a, a couple years on this deal to kind of remain a Packer. Uh, but I do fully expect Aaron Rodgers quarterback of the Green Bay Packers in 2021, and I honestly think even longer than that, I don't think this is a one-year marriage, and I think that this is what a lot of this is about, is he does not want to be a lame duck quarterback of the Packers. I think that he wants to get some assurances that he's going to be able to go out the way he goes out. Yes. 
leverage, that's the perfect word to put. Uh, I think you you took that right out of my mouth, but I, I can't agree with you more. Uh, not only for his own contract situation, but uh, I, I mentioned this offline. Yeah. I think Aaron's smart enough to understand that he has leverage to be able to put pressure on the organization as they build out this roster. Yeah. So, uh, so we've got Corey Lindsley, the free agent. We've got Aaron Jones, the free agent. We've got outside free agents and we're not going to talk about free agency right now we'll we will have plenty of time to have some episode dedicated to free agent discussion but don't kid yourself <laughs> aaron Rodgers understands his role within the organization and maybe he lost a little bit of that leverage the last couple of years and i think he understands that as well if this season did anything, it flipped the tables quite a bit in terms of the amount of leverage he does. Now, that doesn't mean that the Packers may not ultimately make a difficult decision in the next year or two uh, if, if, if Jordan Love develops and they are confident that he's going to be the heir apparent. That's not now, though. Uh, by all accounts, that's not happening right now, to your point. So it's personal leverage, but I think he's – understands that he needs to continue to put his pressure on this front office and the coaching staff to deliver this offseason and say, look, we were this close. We very well could have or should have won the Super Bowl. So you did a good job, coaching staff and front office. But at the same time, you drafted a quarterback in the first round. We right. didn't sign any other free uh, big-name wide receivers uh, to give me some additional weapons here. Don't make that mistake again this offseason. I've only got a small window left. You better be doing everything you can. Now, I'm not saying that Goody in the front office isn't always trying to do everything they can, but I'm just looking at this from Aaron Rodgers' perspective. So I think that's a big part of it as well. So I Wait, and, yeah, and, and I don't I started to cut you off, but does this remind you I mean those those of us old enough to remember this time, does this remind you at all of Kobe Bryant actually, now probably fifteen years ago, um, maybe ten years ago, um near he was getting a little older and um he basically tried to force a trade and said, If you all I can't play with Smush Parker uh, at point guard. And if you guys don't get me talent, I need to get out of here. Does it feel a little bit of that to you? Cause it does to me in the sense that he knew the leverage. I, I don't think Kobe actually wanted to leave LA. I don't think Rogers actually, you know, has any interest in leaving Green Bay, but I think it's him imposing his will a little bit on this organization and saying, you guys need to do everything you can. Uh, I'm only laughing because I gave the LeBron analogy and then you, you trumped me and came in with the Kobe analogy. <laughs> so folks that know Dane and I well would know that we've been having an ongoing LeBron versus Kobe argument for years. Um, although we haven't had that in a while. Uh, so that's not what this is. Yeah, it's either analogy works. I'm just thinking of the, you know, the short term versus the big picture. Yeah. Uh, when you're a star player, you, you can use leverage. You don't see that in the NFL that often just because it's, uh, it's just a, different animal in terms of roster construction than it is in the NBA. But I think Rodgers is one of the few guys at this point in his career and with the season he just had that can legitimately use leverage against the front office and the organization uh, to pressure them into building this roster. You can't look any further. Uh, we talked about the hired guns that uh, Tampa Bay had, uh, but you can't say they didn't go all in and getting Tom Brady every weapon that they possibly could. Right. Um, 
did the Packers truly, when you look at it, did they do the same thing? I, I don't think you can make that argument. Did they do the wrong thing? I don't know that they did either. They're looking at building this team for now in the future. I'm not going to sit here and say they did the wrong thing, but they didn't do it the way that Aaron wants to, selfishly, from his perspective. He's not concerned about six, seven years from now. He wants to know that this team has put all the chips on the table to help him be in a position to put them in the best position to win. And, and that's not to say that they couldn't have done it with this team, but it, it wouldn't have hurt if you've got a, a couple more legit guys uh, uh, to look at uh, from that wide receiver group and taking nothing away from those guys, but uh, that's just the reality. And again, just looking at it from Aaron's perspective. Yeah. No, you kind of look at it like a, like investing, but it's mm-hmm. the inverse, right? If you're, if you're young, um, you can be more aggressive as you get older investing. You, you know, you maybe get a little bit more conservative. On the flip side, you know, the way the Packers have operated in the past, you know, young Rodgers, they, they were building for, for a future. Uh, but now this time Rodgers has two years, three years left in him probably. So maybe this is a time where, uh, you know, you flip the switch and you go all in because um, I don't expect the Packers, with all due respect to Jordan Love and anybody else who comes in after him, Big shoes to fill, uh, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. I, I can't expect the Packers to, to have lightning strike again. So right now, I want the Green Bay Packers organization to, to do everything in their power to get us one more ring with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll have plenty of opportunity again, unfortunately and fortunately, uh, to talk about uh, some of the moves that they could make uh, to shape this roster. Uh, you know, uh, as of right now, they're projected to have about 32 million in cap space, according to over the cap. Uh, certainly, there'd be some pre or post June 1st cuts uh, that could uh, adjust some of that money. There could be some, as you mentioned, some uh, you know restructuring to contracts that could uh, change uh, how that uh, money picture works out. And, and it'll certainly depend on what they do with some of their own free agents uh, to see ultimately what they have left in, the, in um, that uh, cap space to work with. So I'm not going to, I'm going to resist the urge to, to go down that path right now, Dane. Any other um, thoughts, I think, on Rodgers or maybe even just on this season as a whole, before we uh, touch on some of the news with the coaching staff and kind of uh, share some thoughts on the defensive coordinator candidates that they're looking at. You know, Eggs, just in a difficult year, I think, for a lot of people personally, yeah, it came up maybe of the ultimate goal, but my goodness, it was fun to watch a 13-3 and Packer team uh, do what they did. Uh, thought that the team really built – on what they did in the first year. There's a lot of uh, respect in that locker room, and uh, it, it was really sad to see it end the way it did, but it doesn't take away from me some really fun memories from a really, really good football team that uh, clearly like to play and, and have a lot of fun for each other, and um, a historic, uh, what I think is going to be third MVP season from the quarterback. Folks, you don't get those every year. So, I mean, to, to be able to watch that from Aaron Rodgers, but, um, you know, the development of Rashawn Gary, um, you know, watching some of the young guys on the offensive line, Billy Turner playing great football on the offensive line, and, you know, down the list, Tunyon having a breakout season. 
Um, just an absolute pleasure to be able to watch all of that. Yeah, he couldn't have said it better. This was a such a fun team to watch. So many, so many great guys and great players, and, and it's more than just you know. I don't get super um, wrapped up in in these guys uh, off the field, but because um, performance matters to me first as a fan. But you know what? These guys are are you know they're good dudes too. Uh, so yeah. it makes it easy for to root for them. You know, you don't have any uh, problems in the locker room or off the field. So kudos to these guys for just representing themselves and the organization well and, and going out there and having a great season. Um, it hurt the way it ended, no doubt about that. But um, but I, I just had so much fun putting on uh, my Packer gear and cheering for this team every Sunday. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, and as we, you know, wrap up the season, we do look ahead. We've got a vacancy at the defensive coordinator position. Um, a flashy name here or there. Um, some other guys uh, that, you know, I think that within the coaching ranks are rising fast. Um, Wags, we've got, I believe, five guys that the Packers are going to be interviewing here, um, you know, today, really. We're recording on a Wednesday, so they're doing it this week. Uh, some of these guys. So, um, you know, before we really get started on this, though, um, one thing I do want to just mention is what Matt LaFleur said in his closing press conference. And I don't want to look at it as a slight towards Petten, but you and I both know Mike Petten's priorities and goals as a defensive coordinator as a bend-but-don't-break defense. And... um Matt LaFleur was quoted as saying, quote, I think if you guys look at great defenses around the league, there's a certain mentality that comes with that. And it's not necessarily what you're calling, but how you're playing every call. I do think that there's some areas where we can continue to educate our players and be great in those situations. But you don't want to give up any freebies. You want to make people earn every inch out there on grass, end quote. That struck a chord. That was something where that is a total shift, I think, from really how we did things this previous season and the previous couple seasons. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but what's your impression of that quote? Because to me, that is saying that there needs to be a mentality change on this defense. I think that's Coach LaFleur. Um, I don't want to say imposing his will, but building the culture uh, that he has on the offensive side of the ball and saying, we've got the talent on the defense to mm-hmm. do the same thing. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to, we're going to take risks, calculated risks. I believe in the players to go out there and perform. And so we're not going to hold back or do anything to create a roadblock to success. Let's let them loose. Let's let them play at the high level that we believe that they can play at. Um, they will make mistakes. We will coach and correct those mistakes when they happen. Um, and, but we're also not going to put them in a position to, you know, uh, like we did at the end of the half. Not to, not to harp on that, but, uh, you know, they've got to, they've got to be smart, but also, you know, have their fingerprints on, on what type of culture they want to have on the defensive side of the ball. I think the players that we have in place, have that self-belief. And I'm not saying Coach Petten didn't have confidence in his players uh, by any means, but uh, you're right. It was a little bit of 
the mentality, I think, is is what was lacking uh, at, at times, and and certainly in the first half of this year and much of last year. So um, this is going to be a great opportunity for whoever comes in. There's no about it, no doubt about it. The talent is there. I'm sure we'll be continuing to add additional talent, and um, this is a situation where they can come in and and really you know, elevate this team by bringing them together and unifying them under a new voice. Sometimes you get that injection of energy and belief and someone comes in and they, the one thing you didn't never heard from an announcer, the, the oldest platitude uh, of a defensive coordinator is that all the players would run through a wall for them. How many times did you hear that? So I don't give too much credence for that, but do you ever once hear a announcer say that about Coach Patton and this Green Bay Packers defense. I don't think I ever did. Um, so if they did, no. forgive me. But that's that's what you're talking about when you're thinking about a mentality. That's what you want uh, when you have a defense. It's a culture that says, we're a great defense. We know we've got a great offense. But this defense deserves to have some merit in and of itself. And And I think this defense was close to that. But you're absolutely right. Is that mentality is I think what was with the with that final little ingredient that may have been missing um, at times, or or it was part of what this defense was. Yeah. So we got these guys coming in. Um, are there any guys here in particular you want to touch on today? Just as we start these interviews, and I don't think we need to spend too much time on them. But um, it's it's been. Interesting to me because it's just kind of an array of experience. You've got some very experienced guys. You've got some guys that maybe don't have as much experience. Mm-hmm. It's pretty clear to me that Coach and company are casting a pretty wide net as they look for this replacement. Yeah, it, it will be interesting. I think we've got a really solid group of candidates. I really do. Uh, I'm not going to go out on a limb and predict who it's going to be. Um, a lot of it can be fit. Uh, a lot of it's going to be, you know, who Coach LaFleur, um, you know, as they have some of those uh, closed-door discussions and, and to go through this interview process, who he believes is going to be the right person to lead uh, this defense. Um, the credentials, I think, with all of them are there on paper. You know, you could see any of them uh, being selected. So um, I, it's not going to be about that as far as I'm concerned as it is who Coach LeVore thinks is the guy. Um, internally, it would be interesting if they make another internal elevation. Um, we did, we saw that with the special teams coordinator and, and Coach Drayton getting elevated, and he's going to be the special teams coordinator next season. I have to be honest with you. I, I really don't know enough about Coach Drayton on the special teams tied. Do you have strong feelings one way or the other? But if Coach LeFleur feels strongly that he's the guy, uh, that is going to uh, improve that special teams unit, um, then let's see it, okay? I'm, I'm good with that. Um, Coach Gray, uh, he came over from the Vikings last offseason, uh, took over as defensive backs coach, and you've got to say he did a pretty darn good job with, with that unit and some of the uh, getting some of the top guys that we have on that unit and Jair and Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage uh, in the play that he 
um, uh, got from them, you know, give the players credit, but I think Coach Gray needs to get a, quite a bit of credit for that as well. He's got experience as a defensive coordinator. So I'm not saying he has the upper hand by any mm-hmm. means, but it would be interesting to see um, if that is uh, potentially kind of the direction that they go, if he would have a lot of bleed. Would that be the best move? We wouldn't know. <laughs> um, I know a lot of folks from the outside and fans would probably not like that. Not Nothing against Coach Gray, but just it looks very McCarthy-ish, right? Elevating yeah. two guys after losing two coordinators. Um, so um, that will be interesting to see how that plays out. If there's any internal pressure to bring someone new from the outside um, or if Coach LaFleur says, nope, um, Coach Gray is the guy. I believe in what I saw from him this year. He's got the experience and he's got the mentality, as we're talking about, to lead this defense going forward. Um, so that would be one of the things that I think I'll keep an eye on is that in, internal, external um, factor. Um, and then certainly whoever they choose, not that Coach LaFleur doesn't ultimately have the final decision in building out this staff, but does that lead to more changes? Um, you know, I think it's fair to say that there could be some position coaches that may be moving on once this coordinator uh, selection is made, regardless of who it is. Um, and it, it may not be a performance issue so much as it is a fit issue with who that defensive coordinator ultimately is. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's all, I think, really valid. I, I you know, I, so I look down the list, I look at Matt Burke. Um, currently, he's the run game coordinator and defensive line coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, his focus then, you know, I think is on stopping the run a little bit more, which would be a major shift from what uh, Mike Patton was doing, which is just, you know, frankly, the, the total opposite of that. But, you know, all these guys are going to come with some pluses and some red flags, and I think the red flags with Burke – uh, he was a defensive coordinator over there in Miami for a couple years. And, I mean, we're talking about 26th, 27th ranked defenses when he uh, had that, was in charge of that defense. And, you know, there's players that are also involved in that. It's not just scheme. Um, I, but, you know, I was just going to say, and not to interrupt you too, no, but go ahead. that was not a good Miami team. They've improved the last couple of seasons. Um, Coach Hackett has been pretty darn good on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Coach LaFleur has been pretty darn good as a head coach, and their offenses weren't really ranked too high uh, the season before they came to the Packers either. So uh, I'm more concerned with with fit, culture, um, mentality. Uh, I think all of these guys at the NFL well, – I shouldn't say all of these guys, but most of these guys at the NFL level, they can coach. It's just a matter of are they in the right situation with the right group of players and with the right team. Uh, so I think that can uh, determine a lot of success as much as anything. Um, and, and, Dane, one other thing, I think maybe more so than who the candidates are, what's really interesting to me is we've got a mix of guys that have experience in both the 3-4 and 4-3. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, I look at Ryan Nielsen from, um, you know, he's currently in uh, New Orleans, and he's been there as they've really turned it around, I think, defensively and has performed, you know, a lot faster, I think, and, and more aggressively. And he's a guy who, um, to, to my knowledge, doesn't do a lot of 3-4 defense uh, or hadn't, so that might be a scheme shift on his end. So, 
Um, you know, the Packers have some free agents. I don't expect them to to do wholesale changes to the defense from a personnel standpoint, but it is interesting to see that they're not looking necessarily for coaches uh, that are all three, four guys, but they're looking to really open up the box and, and, and have guys come in with a lot of different fresh perspectives. It is interesting because – the inside linebacker group was kind of much maligned coming into the season. And now all of a sudden that looks like a pretty solid group, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with Christian Kirksey, but if we went to a four or three and they decided to bring him back, we've got, I think enough. We now we would have to certainly add more to that, um, that linebacker group. Uh, if we move to a four or three, no doubt about it. But I think, Honestly, I, I don't think we're locked in from a personnel standpoint by any means um, to this 3-4. And it's not like we would have to make wholesale changes necessarily to this roster to fit a 4-3, in my opinion. Now, some tweaks obviously would be made. I, I look at like a guy like Dean Lowry, I don't see as a good fit in a 4-3 defense. But that being we said, might not be here anyway, though, right? Which uh, is, uh, sure. I, I, you know, again, not to pick on, on Dean, uh, right. but um, that's just the reality. So <laughs> to me, that's going to be really interesting to watch too. Is are we going to transition to a guy that might be coming in and, and change us back to a four-three? Yeah, and I mean. As you mentioned that, I think two, our two most premier pass rushers, Big Z and Rashawn Gary, I think are both guys that pride themselves on being able to play all around uh, on the field, including having their hand in the dirt. So for those two guys, I mean, that wouldn't be the end of the world, would it? Those guys can they, those guys can rush the passer, and they don't give a damn what 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 you what you call. They're going to go and hit the quarterback. Yes, absolutely. So it's going to be. Interesting to see. I, I certainly, you know, the name we haven't mentioned that I think a lot of fans are probably have as as a fan favorite just because of proximity and and just what he's meant to this state is Jimmy Leonard. Uh, I don't think he's just a sentimental pick, to be honest with you. I think he has proven that he is a top flight coach, and I think that uh, they're not wasting their time on on doing a PR type move in interviewing Jim Leonard. Uh, he, I think, certainly has bona fides, um, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's in the NFL at some point. I don't know uh, what Jimmy Leonard's career aspirations are from a coaching standpoint, but he seems to be pretty darn comfortable with his family in the state of Wisconsin. He's from the Green Bay area, obviously. We know his story. Doesn't have direct ties to the Green Bay organization, uh, but um, perhaps that's that's a move he'd be willing to make if, if Coach Lefleur thinks that uh, he's the right guy. So um, again, I, I I'm going to be excited either way. I mean, there's some guys on this list that I don't know uh, uh, enough about or don't necessarily, you know, on paper uh, excite me. But I think if I if they make the uh, higher announcement and I dig deeper into whomever it is, I'll, I'll probably I, I guarantee you I'll be excited and I'm going to give them. Uh, no doubt about it, the benefit of the doubt until they prove otherwise um, to, to lead this defense uh, because I've got a ton of confidence in Coach LaFleur. Yeah, well, that's the thing, and I think that that's the fortunate place we're in right now with with this organization and with Matt LaFleur and, and others is, you know, I I think that I, I just – I fully trust what he and Goody 
and, and others are doing with the direction of the organization. Um, you know, looking at this this disappointing loss aside, um, I think they get it. They get the culture. Um, you, you mentioned him imposing his will a little bit on the defense. I, I think that it was important for Lafleur maybe to be able to build a resume, and he's been able to build a resume in the first couple of years that I think he's earned the right now to bring in his guy on the defensive side of the ball and, and really, um, you know, bring in what his full vision is. And I think this is his first real chance to do that. So, Eggs, whoever it is, I really do trust what these guys are doing. They have good football minds. They've got a good eye for talent. And I think that they're going to land the, the, the right choice, whoever it ends up being. Yes, I agree. So, Dane, I, I don't know if we have anything else to touch on right now. There's lots and lots of topics to to talk about when it gets to the off season. Uh, yeah. But uh, for the time being, I think I think we've covered what we wanted to. And and again, for those of you out there listening, I, I hope uh, this was a little bit of therapy for you. It was for us. And um, it sounds a little depressing to say that uh, again, but. Um, we're sad. I, I'm just sad. I wanted to watch one more game uh, with this Packers team. I, I did. And so um, it didn't happen, but uh, I really have so much confidence that we're going to bounce back and we're going to be back in that position. I, I, I really believe that. So I, I, as disappointing as it was, and uh, I'm right there with all of you that feel that way, I, I, I'm still excited and op- optimistic for what's to come. Uh, I, I do believe that we we will get there. It's going to be our turn. I thought it was our turn this year, but we've got a window here. Um, and uh, last off season, it felt like we were so close, yet so far. Mm-hmm. This off season, I think we're so close, and we're right there. Is yeah. kind of the way I would sum it up. So hang in there, folks, and. Um, Thank you. Thank you for listening. Share share your thoughts. Share your feelings. I, I, I We appreciate you being there and engaging with us all the way through this season. Um, so we're excited to continue to do that this off season, and um, looking forward to what's to come. We'll have some interviews, I think, with uh, some current and former players. Other than that, do you have anything else to add? Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.